10 o'clock at night. We are doing it. We all it. work corporate jobs. Okay. <laughs> um, and like, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You didn't have to tell anybody that we work co- corporate jobs and you didn't have to tell anybody it was 10 o'clock at night. We could have pretended that this was the day job and that this wasn't going to be the most chaotic bonus episode we've ever done. But unfortunately, Kathleen is back. Uh, it's called yeah. getting out in front. Yeah, so. you're right. You know what? If we lower expectations now. That's true. People will just stop the podcast. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, I'll wait for the next episode. Thanks. Great. Yeah. Um, so this podcast is the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. But today, on this very special bonus episode, we are getting into the spooky season early or late, depending on when you... When do you guys consider spooky season? September 1st or October 1st? September, September 1st. 1st. Okay, so we're getting in the spooky season late, boo. Uh, and we are going to be watching the 1996 classic Wes Craven's Scream. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And I'm Kathleen. You may remember Kathleen from our Jennifer's Body (laughs) bonus episode. She is back. She is our resident scream queen. Uh, Oh, that's uh, such a compliment. You... Especially considering prior to recording this episode, I was like, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, I haven't seen that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing about your horror, like, excursions is that instead of going back and hitting the classics, which is where people start, you're like, have you seen this movie no one's ever heard of? It was produced in Bulgaria in 2009. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, we're back as a triumvirate to talk about Scream. Um, I had not seen this movie in a really long time. Julia, I do not know when the last time you saw it was. I think this is probably my third time seeing it, but I watched it for the first time in like 2018 alone in my house with the giant (gasps) glass doors to my left. Yeah. Um, So I was a little spooked. Much better this time. I will say, like, I... Um, am super desensitized to this movie because I have the glorious benefit of older siblings. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm the oldest, so there's that. Yeah, there is like actually a chance my brother, who would have been eight at the time, accidentally saw this the year it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is fine because I think I probably saw it when I was eight. <laughs> so full Good. circle. Um, I love this movie. I think that um, most people who are into horror have very good feelings about this movie. Not necessarily the series on the whole. People generally like one and four the best. Mm. Um, maybe we'll do Scream 4 at some point uh, in the 10 episodes of Teen Wolf we have left. Um, but I, you know, I'm really happy that we got to share it with Kathleen. I'm also so happy I got to share it with you because I had never seen it before tonight. Yeah. And I loved it. Um, It was very good. It is. It is really good. (laughs) I have a quick question for the both of you. How often do you end up seeing something just because your friends were like, you've never seen this and then put it on? A lot. That's how I saw The Shining. Uh, oh, well, really? that's also how yeah, I but I was shining. in high school. Yeah, mine involved a boy, so no. Yeah, I once read an Aldous Huxley essay <laughs> for a boy. Oh, no, <laughs> I mean, it's bad, ladies. Was that essay good? Uh, yeah, it was Doors of Perception. Oh, 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 okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe would have liked The Shining more if a boy hadn't made me watch it. Yeah. Maybe I gotta watch it again. I don't know. But I actually, um, as listeners of The Rewolf will know, I have a bunch of insanely weird cultural gaps because of things I've not watched. So I'm keeping a list on my phone of like movies I've watched for the first time this year. Oh. Um, Scream is not one of them, though. No. Two thumbs up. I nice. you got that one earlier out of the way. Jaws and... Yeah. I haven't seen Jaws either. Uh, it's great. At least the so I last two thirds are really good. Okay. Do you... Okay, this can't just be my family. You guys don't go home for holidays and your dad controls the TV, so you only watch movies from, like, 1960 to 1995. <laughs> mm. Oh, even pre that. Yeah. yeah. I Again. feel like... No, because my mom and I were always so adamant about um, watching reality television. Okay. <laughs> so. Love and light to your mom. That was not my experience. Yeah, I get to go home and be like, what's on TV, Dad? And he's like, Ben-Hur. And I'm like, and what are we not watching next? And he's like, The English Patient. <laughs> 
great. Good time. Classic family movies. Well, the Rewolf knows that my family's Christmas movie is Titanic, so. Okay. We, we all carry our own damage into this world, but before we carry our own damage into our discussion on Scream, Kathleen, as you are the guest. Oh, fudge yeah. I, if it makes you feel better i also forgot that we have to do this <laughs> well two years no i can do it i did really well last time and you i'm did confident it. That's true. my ability to do it again so. um and you know what we're really confident in our ability to not have to do it this time truly i hate doing the recap so much <laughs> it gives me heart palpitations <laughs> here's the thing you guys i'm fragile <laughs> You? No. Oh, you don't say. I actually thought you guys were going to be like, no, you're a strong, independent woman. Well, as we were discussing earlier, people can name multitudes. But, people um, can name multitudes. I, can, th- I think that'll be a theme of this episode. I it's, think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that it's all going to be very dynamic. <laughs> I think it's going to be expressive. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But that fun does begin with Kathleen yes. doing the recap. Not a 60-second recap, but a timed recap. We're going to see if you can tell us what happened uh, in Scream in the shortest amount of time possible. How are you feeling about this task? Fine. Oh. <laughs> Just okay. Cool. I mean, that's, I guess, more than I was expecting. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it's like getting us to do it is pulling teeth. We'll be like 40 minutes deep in an episode and be like, I guess we should talk about Teen Wolf now. Um, So without further ado, we've got a clock ready. Yes. And you have, no, you don't have any time. It's your job. What if I took up the rest of the hour doing this? Do you think we'll take it scene by scene? Scene by scene. Yeah. Do you know that clip from Parks and Rec when Will Forte is explaining what happens in the Kathleen is going to explain yeah. Twilight page by page. Oh, love. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, great. Then on your mark, get set, go. Okay, so the movie opens on a Drew, a young Drew Barrymore, who her name is Casey in the movie. <laughs> She's alone in her house making some Jiffy Pop on the stove. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Julia. And she um, gets a phone call, and this guy's kind of harassing her. Things get bad quick. Uh, long story short, her boyfriend is in the backyard and she's getting tortured by this guy who's on the phone. We don't know who it is. And then her boyfriend dies. And then the guy breaks in. He kills her. We don't know who it is, but he's wearing this very creepy mask, which I also have a question about, but we'll come to that later. And um, her Jiffy Pop burns and her parents come home and um, Jesus. Can I say that? I don't know. (laughs) You can say Jesus, but you're a minute in and haven't gotten past the first scene. Okay, 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 okay. So anyways, her parents find her. She's like strung up to a tree. It's really traumatic. I almost cried. And um, basically it's setting up the scene. Uh, It's setting up the rest of the movie, which is that there is this killer who is terrorizing this very small community in California. And the movie is largely focused on this girl named... What is Sydney. it? Sydney. Sydney. Who, um, her mom the previous year was raped and murdered, and she, uh, her dad is out of town for the weekend, and a killing spree ensues, and I feel like going, honestly, going scene by scene for this movie would be too convoluted. So basically, like, this killer, this masked killer is, like, chasing her and other random people for the entire movie, it sort of culminates in this party because all the local teens are like, oh, we're going to like disobey the curfew that the town has instated. And, um, oh, I'm missing so much. It doesn't matter. And um, they're all at this party. And then uh, the killer turns out to be Sydney's boyfriend. And then also this other guy, Stu, who's dating her best friend who has been killed by Stu or the Billy could be either one. Um, and, there's a whole complicated thing. Courtney Cox is a reporter. This one is way harder to explain than Jennifer's body. And basically, Sydney outsmarts them, and Courtney Cox shoots shoots him dead. And th- and then that's uh, she. Her dad was kidnapped, and she saves him. And that's the end of the movie. 
<laughs> I don't even want to know. Uh, I do actually, yeah, but I have to tell the audience. And it was 2.28. That's really embarrassing. I, you edited a whole minute on Jennifer's body, I'm pretty sure. Okay, but Jennifer's body is so much less convoluted than this movie. No, this movie is so much more straightforward. No, I completely disagree. Well, it was your first time seeing true. it. That's I think your true. first time seeing it definitely doesn't help. So let's fill in the gaps. <laughs> Sydney uh, is our main character. Her mother was murdered a year previous, and she is being targeted by this killer who has killed one of her classmates. All of her classmates have a curfew installed, so they decide to throw a party. Hell yeah. And the journalist who covered her mother's murder is obsessed with finding out the truth of what's happening and revealing that her murder was not her mother was not actually murdered by the man who's sitting in jail. It is later revealed at the party, with the help of her friend Randy, who's obsessed with horror movies, that the two murderers are Sydney's boyfriend Billy and his friend Stu, and they killed her mother because he she is responsible for his mo- Billy's mother leaving, and Stu is just in on the peer pressure. Okay, I think it's, I think I'm you got upset it. because you clearly knew what to say, and you could have just done it. No, no, I couldn't actually. It is the privilege of the guest host to the privilege, the privilege, and the <laughs> honor. Well, honor. here's the thing: the listeners of our podcast are like, "Wow, Christian's never been that concise in their <laughs> life." So, um, that's where we're at. This is probably the most iconic horror movie of the '90s. I think when people think of '90s horror, they do think of Scream. It inspired a literal series of spoof movies went on to inspire the majority of the early 2000s horror and is referential to all of the horror that came before it. So it is an extremely interesting piece of like filmic culture. Um, I don't really know anybody who dislikes it. So if you don't, don't tell us. Um, but I am really interested in hearing about what you guys think makes this movie so good. So what works about Scream? Um, I first just want to mention that the pedigree of people who made this movie is elite. Um, the guy who wrote it, Kevin Williamson, um, created both Dawson's Creek and the Vampire Diaries, and he wrote I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, and Wes Craven created Nightmare on Elm Street and also the original The Hills Have Eyes. So this is like horror movie royalty mm-hmm. um, and also like film royalty creating this movie. So they clearly know what they're about. Um I love Dawson's Creek and is I know what you did last summer good no but is it good yeah <laughs> the thesis of the Teen Wolf Rewolf <laughs> the thesis of the Teen Wolf Rewolf is this good I who's to say but I like it so um yeah I mean like I think that this is a really good study in horror it's clearly made by people who love, love. the genre oh, and I think that it. that is what makes it so fun is because people who like horror want to meet and understand and like be around people who like it and to have a movie say where are those people is so fun yeah but it also is to bring in something that i think works and also does not work like to bring in the the meta-ness of it all is it's like so clearly a love letter to the horror genre but is also implicating the horror viewer because so much of the movie is commenting on how easily desensitized we are to horrific acts like I was really struck by the scene at the very beginning um when they're all sitting at the fountain and obviously in hindsight you know Billy and Stu are really just like getting the goat of everyone else but it is like actually horrible because the guys are cracking what are like really vulgar cruel jokes about the very real and recent murder of their two classmates and they're like hee hee haha so funny um and it is just like really deeply not funny and as a viewer you kind of like take a step back and you're like "Ooh, well i guess i am watching this movie and i am like "Ooh, this is so fun it's so fun to be scared you know it's fun i in part disagree with you because i think what that really reminds me of is heathers a little bit yeah. yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, I think the whole idea of, like, Heather's, like, the teen suicide don't do it thing, it is more of a comment on, like, the, on the desensitizing than it is on the viewer who is observing it and has been desensitized. Well, and there was all this moral panic over what it would be doing to, like, kids who, and this is literally since, like, they were televising stuff that was going on in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Like, people were so panicked about what is that violence going to do to the people who are watching it, and in particular, the kids. And I feel like a lot of horror movies following that were commenting on it, and the slasher genre 
in particular. Um, so it, I don't know. I think it's one of the cool things about Scream is that it's saying what you want it to say mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Like there are so many ways to interpret the things that are being presented to you. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I also think that you and I um, and Kathleen, <laughs> I'm including all of us. Well, we don't actually have like, a, I mean, like I can sit here and I can know about the satanic panic. And I can know about like what's happening in the horror genre, but I didn't have the experience of sitting down and watching Scream in a theater in the nineties and like having the cultural wherewithal to be like, this is how it feels to experience that because mm-hmm. I was just born. I was this, two <laughs> when this movie came out. <laughs> Kathleen was in utero. Yeah. So. I was just a twinkle in my mother's eye. Yeah. <laughs> so full Nirvana in <laughs> utero. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, we consider him being like, Oh, it's saying this, it's saying this, but it's, it's hard because it is so open for interpretation. It is so, um, it, I think what actually it excels at is asking questions as opposed to answering them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, what else works about Scream? Matthew Lillard's whole performance. Matthew Lillard, <laughs> I, I think, is so incredibly talented. One, I recently learned that he went to theater school with Paul Rudd. <laughs> he did? That makes a lot yes. of sense, uh, weirdly. Um, I Where would love to see the two of them school? interact. Yeah. Where was it? Um, like, uh, school in California. Oh. I, I, I'd have to do actual, like, right now. <laughs> to look it up. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't take notes while falling in a Wikipedia <laughs> hole, you guys. No, I think Matthew Lillard, but I also think that everybody, in the way that this movie is in part, like, I don't want to say overacted because I think that sounds like an insult to our cast, but it is sort of um, bombastic and really an, an extension of all of the characters to their greatest sort of most... Totally. Both their most honest and most, most like, character sense, and I think that Matthew Lillard is obviously, like, the shining star of that, is that, like, Stu's character is so like almost gross in the way that he occupies people's space and occupies his space on screen fully gross he's constantly sticking his tongue out i said this while we were watching matthew (laughs) lillard is the only actor who acts with his tongue well and this is what i was saying earlier is like i cannot get over how big and expressive his face is because i feel like normally i have a pretty expressive face and Listeners, you don't know this about me, but I did go to acting school, and I... They might have known that. (laughs) They might have known that about you. That's weird. How do you know that? They're stalking you. No, if they know that that about me, they know that about you. Um, Ever since that Jennifer's Body episode, they're like, who is this girl? Oh my god. I am, like, actually the hottest part (laughs) of the Kathleen is the hottest cast member of the Teen Wolf crew. It's true. Um... But so as this is all to say that as an actor who is terrible on film, it's just because my normal face is too big and I'm making too many (laughs) expressions all the time. So the fact that Matthew Lillard can like fully like waggle his tongue around so nonchalantly is and it totally works and pays off is marvelous to me. Well, I will say and I think I I struggle with this, too. I definitely have like the eyebrow acting problem and obviously like when we watch ourselves on film it is so much more critical than it would be as other people i think the most interesting thing about both matthew lillard um and skeet ulrich and like all of our sort of um more out there characters in this movie is that it feels so unabashed and that's why you're not commenting on it as you're watching Mm. like they're not commenting on the fact that it's being like really out of this world I think to Stu's character it feels very honest and that's why it's so compelling yeah well I also think it's um really compelling from those two characters in particular because particularly with the reveal at the end those are the two characters who really believe they're in a movie yeah like yes. that they are acting their life in a movie oh randy too um, but <laughs> randy too but like you know everything about like ski ulrich licking the you know corn syrup off his fingers or even mm-hmm. just before that reveal like the way he glances up at sydney or you know his very dark brooding sensibilities it it feels like he knows well and the only way he knows how to relate to anyone is by referencing movies i mean the first Mm -hmm. conversation we hear from him is like yeah i was watching what was he watching uh the exorcist yeah a movie that terrifies me uh, in concept (laughs) i'm never gonna watch but yeah yeah he's like i'm watching the exorcist and this is why we should have sex which interesting link there okay but he really is. Like, I have a question for the two of you. What? If a man was going to be like, I was watching a horror movie and it made me think of you, what is the horror movie that would make you f- actually flattered? Oh, that's a really good question. Carrie, right? Oh! 
I mean, my immediate yeah. thought was Midsommar. Not because Danny is like a girl boss, but because... <laughs> okay, but she is. But she is. Yeah. No, I... Do um, we have to talk about what Midsommar is actually about, you guys? It's about Nazis. But anyway... What? Um, it's about white supremacy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, not... You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait, did I miss a whole no. World War no, II? No, no, no. <laughs> not the World War II motif, just like, yeah. the, you know, the conceits of Nazism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. But I, like, I love, personally, Midsommar, and I love its representations of grief. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that, I feel like, would be... I'd be like, oh, just say you nice. want to wear a flower dress and move on. <laughs> I feel like people know that about me. All right. I think Carrie is a good answer. Yeah. I would say Carrie. Or Jennifer's also. body. Or, yeah, Jennifer's body was my first thought, but then I was like, well, I can't say <laughs> that. Like, I, can't, I can't say that. Because I was me. on the episode. Yeah. I'm going to sound like I'm obsessed with myself. You did um. say it was your favorite movie when we um, watched it. Um, I said it was my favorite movie? Yeah. People no, change. I, no, I didn't. People change. <laughs> I don't think I said that. I, I'm, let's rewind. I don't think I said that, but I'll, pull, I'll pull up the master track. Um, anyway, yeah. I well, you know what? This is funny. My dad used to say this, and I like was like, okay, yeah. And then I actually started observing men in the wild, and my dad is like, men quote movies because it is the closest they, like to each other because it's the closest they can get to an honest conversation. Oh. It's like how they express feelings without using their own words. Every once in a while, my dad kicks something out of the park. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. And I think that this is right, you yes. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I can't even ever recall watching Scream with my dad. So, <laughs> no, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's seen it. Um, but I think that that is a really, really good um, sort of comment on what's happening with Stu, with Randy even as well. Like, yeah. Not with Stu, with Billy, with Randy as well. But Randy is kind of interesting because he seems to be the only person who knows that it's fiction. Mm-hmm. That makes him a really interesting foil to Stu and Billy, whereas Billy literally can't feel anything outside of the concept of film. Yeah, I think it's like um, Randy, ha- like everyone is sort of, well, between Stu and Billy and Randy, they're all sort of distanced from reality in a way, but like with Stu and Billy, it is I'm distanced from reality in the way that I've lost all sense of control and empathy. And with Randy, he's distanced from reality in a way that's like, well, my life is kind of hard. I guess I could have fun when I watch the movies. Well, that's which a I like a function of horror, though, yeah. is a way for people to like confront Feel things fear and fear. Yeah. Yes. Um, and when you know the rules of how the horror genre works, you can master it and be in charge of it. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Which is why Randy gets to live. <laughs> I want to yeah. know. Is there. Do they revisit Randy? I have not seen any of the other Scream movies, I, I will say. I have not seen any of those. I'm going to. No. I'm going to write a movie yeah. about, about, about Randy. Randy. Well, they did. It's called Cabin in the Woods. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that that is great. And I, I mean, like, the, the movie being so referential, it, I think at some points can pull you out slightly where you're like, yeah, I get it. Except for when they mention Clueless, because then I'm like, ah, yes, we've broadened the world a little bit. But the fact that it's like horror movie after horror movie, I wish that it was slightly more in tune with everything that was happening culturally. Mm. Um, but I also think that it it introduces a sort of, uh, <laughs> it almost laughs at itself, which I find it totally does. so comforting. Yeah. And like, in a way that where, where it's like, a lot of horror, especially right now in the era of like prestige art house horror, takes itself so incredibly seriously and mm-hmm. Scream can accomplish like so much while still being like, oh, and this is dumb. But it's it an mm-hmm. extremely fun movie. So it's fun. So, it's it's funny. just It's so funny. Yeah. So funny. And I'll say this about the slasher genre because I think this is something that works inherently about slasher is that it's actually not very scary. Yeah, I gotta say, I don't really like slasher movies that much. I love them. And it did occur to me that my house has been invaded a couple times as I was watching the movie, and I did live the, you know, well, I didn't live it, my mom did, but the call's coming from inside the house. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just don't find slasher movies that scary. Like, even though that has no, literally I, happened to me, it's like, I, I don't think don't... that they are necessarily meant to. I think slasher is more supposed to be, like thrilling or it's more like action to me when I think about it like conceptually when you think about like psycho horror that's the stuff that like is the most unsettling and I think if slasher movies when you combine slasher with that kind of stuff that's when you start to get like the early 2000s torture porn stuff and that's when it starts getting boring and so I was gonna say like the thing that's scariest to me is like I had to sort of intellect oh my god this creaking but I had to like intellectualize (laughs) 
I had to like put myself in like Drew Barrymore's shoes mm-hmm. or um, Neve Campbell's shoes of like, if I was a woman alone in a house and this was happening to me, I would be absolutely pooping my pants. I yeah. would be so scared. But watching it, I'm just kind of like, okay. No, but I think that's part of the comment it's making is that like, why on earth is Drew Barrymore still talking on the phone? And I, I think that scene is yeah. so good. I think it's mm-hmm. so well yeah. written because the whole time you're like, but what else is she going to do? Oh, you don't pick up. What, okay, granted, this was when we still picked up our house phones. Well, yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. caller ID. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. caller ID. But he keeps calling, so you know yeah, who so it you is. Know who yes. It is. Yeah. But also, it's like, he did say, you know, if you you better pick up. Yeah. That's not what he said. You better pick he up. He said, you better pick up. <laughs> he said, you better pick up the phone. Um, yeah, no, and I, I think that that's, you know, it's funny because um sydney says this outright she's like i don't like horror movies because i don't like watching someone run up the stairs when they should be running out the front door and yeah. then the very next scene she has to run up the stairs yep and i think it is so much more a comment on the fact that like you do not act rationally when you're scared no you move away like your brain says move away mm-hmm. and that is in any direction and so like when you know drew barry starts that phone call she's not afraid and by the you know a couple sentences in there's clearly we're sowing the seeds of fear and that is when you stop behaving rationally and i think that this is a really a far more interesting example of this because it sets up the stage of like you know how you should behave because movies tell you and then it's like no you're always going to behave on instinct mm-hmm. which is interesting does anybody have anything else that works about scream uh dewey dewey dewey's great david arquette is so fun and so cute in this movie um a lot of what this movie does is just subvert expectations. Um, we've talked off mic um, about how successful having two killers is yeah. in this movie. Oh, yes. Um, one, because the dynamic between Billy and Stu is phenomenal, um, as we've kind of discussed. Also, like, vaguely homoerotic. That was the <laughs> yeah, other yeah, thing. Yeah, you know. I mean, at the end, I was like, this is like kind of hot Am when I- they're stabbing <laughs> each other yeah right. okay not only when they're stabbing each other but like you know when like billy is like he's like all up in sydney's business and Stu like comes up behind him and like rests his chin they're very physical with yeah, each I other was like, oh my yeah God. well i i mean i think that that it, it the, i think that folly ado is a really underutilized trope in horror and this kind of does the most interesting thing with it mm. where Stu was willing to follow Billy down totally. whatever rabbit hole he was falling down, which is really sort of, I mean, there is a, a totally like a, a weird, darker story there or funny story there or sadder story there that you can kind of extrapolate on your own, especially because he, when he says like it was peer pressure. And mm-hmm. then he's like, my parents are going to be so, so mad, mad at, at me. me. And then the next scene, he gets up again. Uh-huh. He, it's not even like, that's not the end for him. He's not mm-hmm. like, you know what? I really shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's committed to the bit. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's clearly doing something on like Billy's behalf. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which yes. I think is really interesting. Uh, and yeah, the double villain is great. Like, I think you, you had said that you were spoiled. Yes, I was spoiled mostly this is embarrassing but because i get a lot of like matthew lillard is so hot content in screen specifically like from my twitter person yeah literally from like all over twitter all over tiktok so i the minute i had like forgotten he was in the movie and then the minute that i saw him on screen i was like oh well Stu's the killer and I, like, spent the whole movie wishing that it had not been spoiled for me. And then at the end, when Billy was the killer, too, I was like, this is so much more exciting. <laughs> I'm so happy that this is how this Do you remember, out. Julia, who you thought the killer was on First Go? I think I always thought it was Billy, but I don't think I knew it was Stu the first time I watched because I didn't know who Matthew Lillard was in whatever, 2000 and whatever. <laughs> um, I definitely think I knew that it was Billy. I'm having a hard time recalling specifically. But when we're talking about, like, uh being really on the nose literally the first time that billy shows up is an acoustic version of don't fear the reaper is playing <laughs> underneath there yeah is? yeah it's um just um, like a oh, role yeah, i'm gonna dress drop this soundtrack good Banging. soundtrack was crazy um, it was yeah. making all kinds of choices love the blue oyster called so like watching it for a third time it's so obvious it's so well telegraphed that it's the two of the not the two of them but it's at least billy yeah mm-hmm. um that when it turns out 
to be him. And they really do try to throw you off the track of like him getting stabbed um, in the bedroom well, beforehand. Was, I mean, mm-hmm. I like, maybe I'm stupid, but I really was like, you know what? Billy does have, he doesn't have a heart of gold. He does some bad, bad things before <laughs> he, you know, we know that he's killed someone. But I was like, no, like he's trying his best. He's troubled. Coercing his girlfriend <laughs> in sex, you're right. Well, see, that's what I meant by the bad yeah. things. Okay. It's like, of course, like he's not great, but I was like, well, he's not a murderer. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He is. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it, I think what's great about Scream also, like, on the term of there being two um, murders, is that there's also two survivors. Yeah. Like, it's not just an and then there were, you know, none. There are lots of survivors. There's the dad. It's the dad. The dad. Oh, yeah, four. The dad, Randy, and Courtney Cox. And Dewey. And Dewey. Oh, yeah, Dewey lives. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dewey does live. Yeah, congratulations, Dewey. Um, I think I want to talk a little bit about Courtney Cox because I think it both lands in our what works and then will transition us into our what doesn't category. So I think the main thing that functions really well about Courtney Cox's character, Gail Weathers, um, (laughs) is that it is the most uh, sort of timely part of this movie in the way that it depicts the sensationalism of crime, particularly in this era. So like in 96, we're coming off of oj trial madness and the menendez brothers menendez brothers and then we are moving into obviously this would happen later the lewinsky monica lewinsky scandal which obviously is not a murder crime but like was like the most televised thing that was happening it's blockbuster crime blockbuster crime. yeah yeah exactly and i think that we are still in that era i think we are currently watching it right now um but that was, you know, when, you know, the summers that nobody could turn off the TV. Nobody could turn off the news. Well, and it was also, I mean, the media landscape back then was vastly different because, you know, there was not Twitter or Facebook. So it was like, you news kind of did function as a major source of entertainment. So, of course, people were watching it and, like, turning it into that because that was kind of like one of the only things i had you know what i mean well it's also like not the advent of the 24-hour broadcast but certainly Mm -hmm. you know the result of it where all of a sudden you had to create content Mm -hmm. for all hours of the day Mm -hmm. and if you watch you know um any local news especially you're going to be getting like a lot of what i would consider like sort of slightly syndicated content it's going to be stuff that ends up in the for the six and the 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're at a time that where you're like trying to fill any, any airspace, of course, this is what the media would react to, especially in what is, looks like a small town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that Gail's character is really good in what it sort of symbolizes culturally at the time that this movie was, uh, yeah. at the time this movie was being made, but also that has not gone away. But also, <laughs> would you like to comment on that, Kathleen? No, because like I said to you both off mic, looking at Courtney Cox's character, what a mouthful, through the lens of feminism or... We've never looked at anything through the lens of feminism. Well, looking totally at it's yeah. like trying at all to parse the gender dynamics of this movie is difficult but her specifically like i it makes my tummy hurt i just don't even want to start because i'm not smart enough to do that (laughs) well i think that part of it is that she's sort of pitched as this like conniving skeeving like do anything for my career type of girl especially when it comes to like following sydney to school and then like seducing also like she is like that i mean she is like doing monstrous things yeah throughout the course of the movie and it is villainized but then also it's like well she's just a silly lady so it's only villainized she was also right it's yeah. villainized and she's right it it's so <sighs> See, that's what i mean <laughs> but the, the, the thing about it now is if 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 her character was done and we're clearly moving into what doesn't work about screen if her character was done now with this whole thing about you know trying to get somebody off of death row and that was like the commentary this movie was making it would be about because we are 30 years in the future it would be about like wrongful conviction but right now it's about like 
women are whistleblowing yeah, meanie butts. This, this gossipy <laughs> woman and her yellow suit. How horrible. Yeah, it's but like, also like trying to prove that like Sydney doesn't know anything about her mom and she sent someone to death for her bederbader. Yeah, also that everyone is so casually like, well, Sydney, your mom's, mom's a, a whore. whore. Like, Get over like, it. God, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Why does anybody have golden age nostalgia for, I mean like, the 90s. yeah, were we, were we in a pandemic? No, was global warming was global warming a right now immediate thing not really but oh my gosh i did i would never let a man speak to me in the 90s what what's so interesting to me about courtney cox's character is to me watching it now today 30s years in the future i feel like it kind of is a precursor to the um true crime cottage industry Mm. at the moment (laughs) cottage industry of true crime (laughs) because so much of that is dominated by women particularly if we're thinking about podcasts in particular thank god Um, we didn't start a true crime podcast yeah not that we would have never would have done no no i find (laughs) thank you for validating most true crime to be icky because it is um if it's not speculative and exploitative it is somehow in favor of the justice system, which I also disagree yeah, with. Yeah, it's pretty much all bad. And it feels like a way of, like, taking control of your fear in the same way that, like, mm-hmm. watching and engaging with horror does, except that that's, like, real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so bizarre to watch that playing out in this movie from 1996. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of funny gender stuff. Like, at one point, like... They're explaining what happened to Casey and Steve, the couple that gets murdered at the beginning of the movie. And someone says, like, well, how do you know it was a man who killed them? And Stu's like, well, women can't kill people, which is like, and, and, <laughs> and, um, what's Rose McGowan's character? Tatum. Tatum is like, well, how do you know? And it's like, yeah, um, I don't know whether or not that is supposed to be like yeah women can kill men or if it's supposed to be a satire on that whole argument i would love to think in favor of the two but i don't know how well it actually reads because we do actually reach a part of like when parody is too close to the thing it's satirizing mm-hmm. it just becomes that thing yeah yeah and i think actually when we talk about like some of the stuff that doesn't work in this movie that's going to be like the root of it mm-hmm. um yeah the the slut shaming <laughs> like it is supposed to be satirical but Obviously. watching it in like modern times it really doesn't feel that like no, that way that's well it's funny because yeah. I, I i mentioned that it reminds me a lot of heathers mm-hmm. in the way that like people are dying in the schools like let's have a pep rally <laughs> um and when i watch heathers i think heathers is funny but i watched it with my younger cousin and she is so much younger than me that she grew up like fully in the, the school, school shooting, shooting era and yeah. thought it was abhorrent mm-hmm. so i think that there is a little bit of that going on um what else doesn't work i um and I'm sorry to keep bringing this up, but I literally just watched it. Um, having watched Nightmare on Elm Street, there's such a strong aesthetic in that movie. And maybe that's just the 1984 of it all. But um, watching this, I really feel like there could have been more specificity to like the place where this movie was happening. Or yeah. even there's no real um, sense of atmosphere. And perhaps that is in aid of the fact that it's supposed to be satirical but i actually kind of wish that it had leaned a little bit more into that particularly if you're supposed to be satirizing or like lampooning the slasher genre Mm -hmm. well yeah i mean i think that we keep obviously and we're going to talk about this in like legacy like cabin in the woods does a similar thing and has a really strong visual language whereas like it's hilarious how bad the lighting is in this movie Mm -hmm. everything is lit with stadium lights. It's so harsh. It's so harsh. It's so bright. There's no filtering. We don't have any, like, interesting tonal quality. I think some of the sound is okay. It's very obvious, like, when the killer is around, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, it feels like a video game when you start hearing the boss music, and you're yeah. like, where is he? <laughs> yeah. Well, and someone always opens a door, and you're like, oh, I and bet he's, he's behind, behind that the door. door. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, I mean, like, I it wasn't something I was thinking about last time I watched this movie, which had to have been high school, but now that I'm thinking about it, and thinking about even other stuff that was coming out, in the era like i think i said this is like the definitive horror movie of the night of the 90s but if we're moving into the later 90s i think like the sixth sense 
is a good mm-hmm. example. Oh, that was my first ever horror movie. Really? Yeah. I have Thoughts? not seen it. Um, I have o- I have not seen it since then. I watched it in my very, very, very old house with my cousin. And we both sat in silence after <laughs> it was done. <laughs> All the lights were off and we were like, we mm. had to watch something funny. I think we yeah. watched like Charlie bit my finger and went to bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Um... But when I think about, like, The Sixth Sense, obviously a far different type of movie that is something that I would call, like, psychological horror. It's far more thriller-based. But, like, it has a really strong visual language. Um, it's okay. blue, isn't it? It's I blue. It's very blue. It, but it looks You're blue. right. Actually, when I say visual language, I mean they threw a filter on that shit. But they didn't bother to even put some sepia tone in Scream. So. Okay, speaking of visual language, this was the question I mentioned earlier in my really good recap it was amazing yeah yeah it was was so good perfect i mean it will go down as the best recap yeah yeah no i'm glad at the razzies (laughs) okay well sometimes failing is succeeding and so my question is um, (laughs) does the mask that the killer wears i don't know that the killers wear that the killers wear um, does that predate this movie? Oh my gosh, I actually have a great story about this. Okay, perfect. So basically they were, when they were trying to figure out what the mask was going to look like for this movie, they were going to all of these Halloween retailers because they knew it had to look like a costume because uh-huh. that's the whole thing is that it's a two teenage mm-hmm. boys by a Halloween costume. Uh-huh. Um, and they were trying mask after mask after mask and they had a bunch of different ones. They were all white with black eyes. And they finally come across this one and they're like, this is it. It's perfect. They're only one of it. Their only version of it breaks. And they're like, okay, plan, plan B. And they find the ghost face mask and they're like, this is it. This is going to be it. It is made by a boutique retailer in North Carolina, home of Kathleen. They still own the copyright. They never sold the copyright. And they're the only people who have the copyright to the ghost face mask. So when you see all of the scream masks rolling through every Halloween, all of those like copyright proceeds are going to that one small yeah, that's costumer. amazing Good for them. Yes. That's incredible. Uh-huh. That is so cool. I actually like that story even better than the Halloween mask story. Yeah. Yes. Even though yeah. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Woo. The fact that they looked at that and they were like the scariest thing I can possibly think of is a washed out William Shatner. <laughs> It's more so like funny. a washed up William Shatner. Anyway. Oh, oh burn. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's so funny that that mask became like one of, you see every, literally every Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Li- Good for Halloween. those people. That's amazing. Yeah, I actually, it's funny. You know what? I would love to say I did my due diligence on research, but that came up on a TikTok where Matthew Lillard was talking about okay. it at a convention yeah. and I watched yeah. it and remembered it. Um, what else doesn't really work out screen? We, we talked about this a little bit about the meta can be distracting. Yes. It's a lot of commentary on the commentary on the commentary. Yeah. I think like even less than it's distracting, it's also just like, okay, like we get it. Cool. We you get did it. your homework. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really like horror movies. Like, well, like, okay. I also think to a, to an extent when you do some references, like when they say as if, and he's like, okay, Alicia, and you have to know that as if is Cher's line in uh, Clueless and Alicia Silverstone plays Cher. That's interesting. But when they explain plots or themes of other horror movies, I'm like, you are talking down to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did like, the rules. Oh, I loved that. Horror movies. But yeah, um, I could have done without the entire scene in the movie store. It was just See, I didn't much. even, like, I liked the scene in the movie store. I think it just, like, I don't, maybe it's, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to say this, but maybe it's just because I know that it's, like, a male director and, like, I know so many, like, dudes who, like, direct and write movies who are, like, and, oh, my gosh, like, this will be so cool. Like, oh, everyone's going to think we're so smart. And I'm, like, You know, stuff like that always reminds me, like, there's always going to be dudes in your life who are obsessed with, like, one form of art and, like, being an auteur of some sort. But it also reminds me. mm, Okay, yeah. I mean, do you hate the word or do you hate the people who fulfill (laughs) that place and culture? Mm. Um 
But yeah, like it just sort of reminds me of like once when I was in theater school. Yes. Boo. Some uh, one of my professors was like, those people who are obsessed with theater and nothing else make the worst actors because they've never been able to occupy any other interests and like expand their artistic field. Yeah. I think that when you look at somebody like Randy, who can somebody can be like, oh, this in this movie, he knows exactly what it is. Like Randy would never be an artist because he's such a keen observer of the yeah. thing that he's trying to be so interested in. But that scene you're right in the video store feels a little bit like, okay, I fucking get it. But when he's explaining mm-hmm. the rules, mm-hmm. it feels like a countdown to the denouement of the movie. Yeah. So there is areas we can say, wow, this really succeeds and areas where you're like, um, okay. I yeah. I, yeah. I have also seen that movie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, does this movie, like, we talked about this a little bit with Courtney Cox. I think the final girl is a really interesting, like, question on gender roles, especially in horror. Because I think that for a lot of women, horror feels like, we saw it, we talked about it with our true crime thing, it feels like an examination of your worst feels fears. It feels like a way where you can mm-hmm. express that and, like, have it be honored in a way. But then there also is, like, Randy's right. It's like the virgin who lives to the end of the movie and the slut dies first. There's like so much politics that goes into being a final girl. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting in this movie that we get two along with the two killers. But does it like, you know, do you get to to the end of every movie with every final girl? Like sometimes you're just like, okay. Well, I also, I think what I, the bad taste in my mouth regarding the real quote unquote final girls of the movie being both Sydney and Randy is that like the punchline Randy's like, I've never been so glad to be a virgin. And it's like, haha, so funny that this kid is a virgin and so funny that women die because they have sex in horror movies. Like I was just like, I don't know. Something about it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like it just felt, um, mean-spirited when it was trying to be like yeah women can survive and I just well I think it it really I think that line could have taken something from being like subversive in having the character who has sex just live to the end and have no comment on yeah. it but the comment is what yes ruined it and yes. that's what I'm saying like I think all of us have a really interesting relationship with the final girl because one that's me but two <laughs> I don't want that to be me or want that to be how men perceive me yes Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, in the final goal question isn't even a question about Scream. It's a question about the genre. Totally. And mm-hmm. we will be talking about it till the day we die. Well, and like, how is a woman, particularly nowadays, how is a woman going to die on screen and it's not going to be politicized in some way? You know, it's like, yeah. we, you can't not. You have to think about it. You Has- just have to. Hashtag deep, Kathleen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's play a little bit of where are they now? Who wants to update us on where every famous person in this movie is right now? Drew Barrymore has a talk show. It's crazy. It's the only thing she's known for. <laughs> it's the only thing famed actor Drew Barrymore, who was so of famous the- before this movie. Of the Barrymore like- family. <laughs> But have you seen her talk show? But have you seen have you seen her video with Tati Westbrook? (laughs) I'm just saying. You know, people like this is funny because obviously like her career is so much more this, but people love the Santa Clarita diet. I heard that, yeah. (laughs) One Christy, I won't say her last name for anonymity purposes, but my BFF, (laughs) she loves, maybe I'm misremembering, so she might hear this and be like, no, I don't, but I'm pretty sure she loves this. Does Christy listen to the No, but I'm going to send it to her just to see if she gets the end and catches this. (laughs) I don't know. Drew Barrymore is in one of my favorite movies, which is Ever After, which has nothing to do with the horror genre, but she's doing very well for herself. I just, you know. Yeah, in case anyone was wondering yeah um i have a fun little update for these people it's not really an update but the guy who um voiced the ghost face um is the same guy who voices mojo jojo (gasps) really yeah that's a great one that is really cool oh i do how are they gonna do mojo jojo in the new power literally anything well mojo jojo is dead he's not he exists not it's it's his son is the villain Okay, okay I, but is he still a monkey with his brain exposed? Maybe, but you don't see him because he has a fully human son. I really feel like <laughs> the new Powerpuff Girls... Wait, okay, hold on. Hold I'm on. not kidding hold you. On. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. If I don't see a 
bright red dazzling transgender lobster <laughs> as a villain in the powerpuff girl show i'm not watching i really think that the powerpuff girls reboot should be a situation of like it's all muppets except for one human yeah <laughs> you know a villain so evil oh, he can only be known wow. as him <laughs> All Muppets and then the and then the professor. Yeah, all Muppets and Dove Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Anyway, (laughs) anywho, uh, Courtney Cox was in the second season of Friends when this movie was made, um, and then went on to be married to David Arquette, who plays Dewey. And I looked it up because, okay, this was another question I had. There's that whole scene where she's like, you're 25. And he's like, I was 24. And it really left me wondering, how old is Courtney Cox? Seven years older than David Arquette. So her show, Cougar Town, is lived experience. (laughs) Everything I know about Cougar Town, I learned through Community because it's Abed's favorite show. (laughs) Um... Yeah, Courtney Cox went on to be one of the most famous people of the 90s, and still, right now, people would be like, holy shit, that's Courtney Cox. (laughs) Matthew Lillard, I think, is so, like, less recognized culturally than he should be because he participates so strongly in genre. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he is so good and so fun. He is most recognizable these days as being the voice of every... uh, Shaggy Rogers in Scooby Doo franchises, except for the 2020 movie Scoob. Rude. Rude. He expressed that he was sad they didn't ask him. He didn't ask him, but he is obviously Shaggy in live action Scoobies and is just. Um, he's a also in, uh, in Cameo in every single other Scream movie. Apparently, mm-hmm. they're making a Scream 5 and he might be the villain again, but. That's cool. Yeah. Love it. Love it. There was a Linda Blair cameo in this movie, which I always forget about. Where? Oh, uh, she's one of the reporters. Oh. oh. Also. She should have just been the Courtney Cox character. Yeah. That would have been mm-hmm. um, Yeah, Rose McGowan went on to star on Charmed, which has been recently rebooted. I will not be watching any of that, but um, people really liked it. And she's she's on Twitter. Boy, yeah. is she ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's on Twitter. Um, Neve Campbell went on to be in a bunch of other 90s things, and then, like I said, like I think there was a bunch of the competition of brunette women in the 90s was like there could only be one and it was to be more yeah justice Um, for brunettes well unfortunately well we moved in then we moved into the blonde era of the early 2000s and now where are they yeah well unfortunately for neve campbell the craft came out the same year as scream Mm -hmm. so i feel like her two best pieces Mm. came out the same year yeah uh bummer yeah it's okay it's okay we we love both those movies well, when she gets the residge check for us watching mm-hmm. Scream today. Yeah. That was for you, baby. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us about Skeet Ulrich? Or yeah, you do? <laughs> he, um, I love him. But it, he was on Riverdale for a time huh? playing Jughead's dad. No True way. story. King of the Southside Serpents. I wish I was making that up, but I am not. And then he left the show, and according to a, like an interview from the mouth of Skeet Ulrich himself, he said it just wasn't an artistic challenge anymore <gasps> to be on Riverdale. So oh my God, amazing. now he's doing some other stuff. Okay, artistic integrity. King. Yeah, okay. I, guess, I guess so. Okay, I appreciate a man who knows what he's about, though, and that's why Chad Michael Murray ended up on Riverdale. Chad Michael, Chad Michael Murray's on Riverdale? He plays a cult leader. By the way, he looks no. the same, and he's so He really does. Oh. Oh my god. But also a genius casting move on their part because if there's a man I would fall into oh a cult. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I love well. you, Chad Michael Murray. Huh. That's what the Teen Wolf Roof is all about. We we conversation just... and then me being like Chad, Chad Michael, Michael Murray, Murray. <laughs> if you're out there. I mean, we did just rewatch a Cinderella story. We did. Oh, so yeah. yeah. He's on the brain. Yeah. It, it's technically a, a Halloween time. movie. It is technically a Halloween movie. Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. Because of the masquerade. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's do a little bit of cultural legacy. So, like I said, Scream changed horror. Um, it's it revitalized the genre because there's not a lot we can point to um, preceding it in the post sort of '80s horror push, and it is a lot of people's like first horror movie. It's like a lot of people's first slasher movie. And the fact that it is so honorific 
or maybe referential, perhaps is a closer word to all of these other movies that came before it. It really does serve a really significant place in culture. Like I said earlier, it inspired the scary movie franchise. <laughs> spoof movies? Or like, okay, so we had Bring spoof movies and then we had 3D movies. What happened after that? Um, I don't know, but I don't miss 3D movies. I, hate, okay. <laughs> I hated 3D movies. They hurt my face so bad. I have such a like vivid memory of seeing Avatar in theaters with my dad and my English teacher. My Wait, hold on. Back up, back up, back up, back up. No, no, wait, wait, wait. She was sitting behind me. Oh, okay. And I didn't realize until I, like, stood up and I was like, oh, I'm Mrs. McCary. <laughs> and she was like, that was so cool. Did you like the movie? And I was like, sure. Because even then, I don't think I was really that impressed yeah. by it. Blue Puck on Highness? Yeah. Um, I have, like, stereopsis issues. So, like, 3D movies give me the worst headache because yeah. I see in 2D. <laughs> 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 don't you remember how hank green made 2d glasses i did I, yes, yeah. no i was gonna ask i, I thought I about i did them. not own them but i would would have been the, the target customer um, yeah because yeah. hank is my hero yeah in a lot of senses. i would i should have bought them just to support the startup so yeah. um so yeah i mean like clearly scream scream really changed things um it launched three more scream movies and then i think like we said it is probably the most um like, there's, there's a lot of stuff that very, like, tangibly calls to it. So, Fear Street is the most recent. Yes. The first Fear Street movie in the trilogy is clearly about Scream. Um, and then Cabin in the Woods, I think, was the next thing to do the, this is what the horror movie structure is. We've got the horror and the virgin and the idiot and, mm-hmm. like, the fool and the, you know, jock and the whatever, mm-hmm. the philosopher. And that's how all of these things happen. And it did took it in a far different direction where it was like, this is how it's set up because it is purposefully set up that way as opposed to Scream being like, no, it's set up that way because that's how human nature works, mm-hmm, which is an mm-hmm. interesting variation from what it um, originally inspires. What else do you guys think the cultural legacy of Scream is? Uh, well, quite literally, there was a TV show. Oh, recently. yeah. I oh, literally yeah. forgot. It was an MTV show, and we yeah. we call ourselves Teen Wolf Historians. <laughs> um, I watched the first two seasons, and actually, I mean, like, let's be very clear. It is garbage. Um, <laughs> and But so? I really liked it. Okay, great. I really enjoyed it. Oh. Um, it was not made with, like, Wes Craven's direct um, involvement, but I mm. feel like it is kind of very honorific, but also a little self-serious, which doesn't feel mm. very true to yeah. um, Scream in general. But it was canceled and then brought back by VH1. I have not watched any of the reboot. But, um, but it's all Viacom. Yeah. I mean, it's cool that, like, there's an idea and a desire for horror television, which I feel like now that Hannibal is off the air and has been for a really long time, I just can't think about it because the first three seasons are so good. Are so good. Um, I feel like there's a a void in horror TV right now, but, um, I don't know if that's true. I think it's a lot of, it's a little inaccessible. A lot of it's happening on like HBO max. Well, yeah. What I was going to say is like, it's happening on streaming services that are not bound by like censorship. Because, like, I recently tried to watch, um, oh, my God, what was it called? It's based on a bunch of creepypasta stories. Oh, no, thank you. And Okay, but <laughs> yeah, see, I was so excited about it because I love creepypasta. And so I was like, this is going to be so fun. Like, it's taking so many of the creepiest stories. It was starring Mark Brandanowitz. Mark Brandanowitz. Fiona Shaw. Love her. Okay. Which, who, she was My playing lesbian his icon. mother. It was so bizarre. What's the actor who plays Mark Brandana? What's his name? No idea. Okay. Um, but that's who he is. And okay. it was horrible. It was so f- unbelievably mm. fucking boring. And I was like, creepypasta is so easy. It's so easy <laughs> to make it scary. Like, what was happening Have here? you ever told you guys about my favorite creepypasta? Which one mm. is it? It just says, here's my first attempt at creepypasta. <laughs> Carpeted kitchen. <laughs> a lot of it's inaccessible because it's literally on screaming it, it's either like 
on a streaming service that I don't always have access to. Mm. Like, this is maybe an issue with cable. Like, the cable, mm. like, dissolving. Because we're all going to go back to having cable again because there's so many streaming, yeah. streaming services. But, yeah, like, I think that there's not a lot we're talking about right now with the exception of maybe Lovecraft Country. Or they're trying to reboot stuff, too, like the Twilight Zone, which I would class as horror. Yeah. Because um, it's terrifying. It is so scary. But that is also behind, like, a lot of... Yeah. Um walls do you want to see the most <laughs> fucked up shit you've ever seen hi i'm rod sterling <laughs> um yeah it's interesting i i think that there's a lot to be said about scream and i think there's going to be a lot more because apparently there's going to be a fifth one so maybe Crazy. we'll have to revisit clearly this uh this movie has will continue to influence as we move forward in the genre it is both the sort of marker of what came before it and then obviously the inspiration for what came after do you guys have a letter grade? How do we, what do we grade Scream? A. A? A. Yeah. A. Yeah. I, I don't know. I want to give it a plus for like my personal enjoyment yeah, of how much I really love this movie. Um, but I do think that everybody has room for improvement. So an totally, A. <laughs> totally. I think if you had asked me the second, like the second time I watched it or whatever, like I think if you asked me when I watched it in high school, I would have given it an A. And now I have just thought about it to death. And that is not the fault of the movie. That's the fault of my own. So I'm sitting on the A minus zone, but I think you guys oh, wow. are, mm. you guys are right. I think that we had a great time watching Scream. We hope this is a, big part of spooky season for all of you um if you enjoyed this episode you can follow us on twitter at teen wolf underscore rewolf which is also our instagram handle you can follow us on tumblr at teen wolf rewolf and our facebook group is teen wolf rewolf podcast if you really like this episode you can leave us a review on itunes if you leave us five stars in a review we will read it out loud and make fun of you live on the air <laughs> and if you really really like this podcast you guys can buy our stickers on redbubble or you can buy us coffee k at shfi.com forward slash teen wolf rewolf and without further ado i've been christian i've been julia I've been Kathleen. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Uh, Woo!